0: I'm Erin Holt, and this is the Functional Nutrition Podcast, where we lean into intuitive functional medicine. We look at how diet, our environment, our emotions, and our beliefs all affect our physical health. This podcast is your full-bodied, well-rounded resource. I've got over a decade of clinical experience, and because of that, I've got a major bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model. They're both failing, so many of us. But functional medicine isn't the panacea that it's made out to be, either. We've got some work to do, and that's why creating a new model is my life's work. I believe in the ripple effect, so I founded the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school and mentorship for practitioners who want to do the same. This show is for you if you're looking for new ways of thinking about your health and you're ready to be an active participant in your own healing. You'll get things here that you won't get other places. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. I would love for you to follow the show, rate, review, and share, because you never know whose life you might change. And of course, keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. Hello, friends. We're back with kind of a deep dive episode today. Pardon my stuffy nose, I am on the tail end of COVID, which... By the way, you want to piss people off, say the C word on Instagram (laughs) Then stay out of your DMs for the next 48 hours. Anyway, I digress. So many of you know, if you listen to the show or follow me on Instagram, do that by the way, that I've been taking Neurohackers Qualia Mind for a while and I love it. It really gives my brain like the boosty boost that I need to run this whole company. When I partnered with the company, they also sent me Senolytic, which is their product for optimized aging. And at first I was a little bit nervous to take the product as I'll explain why in the show. And I wanted to learn a lot more. So I'll kind of like try anything once or twice. So I started taking it, but I really wanted to understand the whys behind it. I always like to like kind of self-experiment. And before I bring anything to the show or talk about it, on a larger platform. I want to make sure that this is something that I really enjoy and like myself. And we had been planning a meeting with the team over at Neurohacker Collective so that I could ask more questions and learn more about the whys behind this product. And then I thought, well, it's kind of silly to do that behind closed doors because you guys, my audience, love to learn about health as well. And so that's exactly what today's show is. I have Gregory Kelly on. He is the director of product development at Neurohacker. does a lot of education. He's a super smart guy, as you'll hear. He's a naturopathic physician, and he's the author of the book, Shapeshift. His areas of expertise include cellular senescence, which you're going to learn all about today, nootropics, anti-aging, and regenerative medicine. And that's exactly what we're getting into today. I will say it's a more dense episode, but that's just because that's the nature of the topic. So I hope you learn a lot and enjoy. And after listening to the show, if you're interested in trying senescence, especially if you're in your late 20s or older, you can try it out by going to neurohacker.com forward slash funks to save up to 50% off Analytic. And as a listener of the Functional Nutrition Podcast, you can use Senolytic code FUNKS at checkout for an extra 15% off of your first purchase. So that's neurohacker.com forward slash FUNKS to try Analytic with code Funks. F-U-N-K-S. I've been taking it and trying it out, and I think you'll understand why after today's episode. Okay, welcome to the show, Greg. I'm very excited to have you here. Well, thanks for having me today.
1: This should be a fun episode. I'm looking forward to it.
0: So. It will be fun. It will be very informative. I always get super excited when I have somebody come on, um, and I feel like I'm in class a little bit. Like I get to learn as much as the audience is learning. So I always love these, and I just want to preframe everything because um, I was I was taking or I have been taking Qualia Mind, and really loved the product and and reached out to the company to talk about a partnership because I I just was so impressed and was seeing such great results myself, and um, You guys sent me Qualia Analytic as well, and I was like, "Well, what the heck is this?" And I tried to do some like some of my own research, and I was like, "I still don't have like a firm grasp of what we're doing here." And so I wanted to speak with somebody um, on your team to learn more about it. But then I thought that's like a little bit silly to have a private backdoor conversation when the you know everybody who's listening could could learn so much as well. So that's kind of my hope and my intention is to learn about aging hopefully we can talk about some of the gray hairs that are coming in um, on my head right now why that is what I could do about it um, and and also just learn a little bit more about this particular product because it's there really isn't much uh, from my understanding there's not much on the market like it and I want to know the whys behind that
1: Sure sure so I think I always like to start kind of at the helicopter level for a topic like aging. And um, and the helicopter level that we usually tap into is called the hallmarks of aging. So it's not something we created, but scientists got together in 2013 and proposed that all organisms, whether it's, you know, flies, worms, you know, mice, primates, all the way up to humans, um, all share certain characteristics as we age. And th- Originally, they said, okay, there's these nine things that are shared in common. And one of those is something called senescent cells or cellular senescence. And this past January, so 2023, they updated that list and added three more. So they added um, gut dysbiosis, they added chronic inflammation, and they added autophagy to it. So now there's, there's these 12 hallmarks of aging. But the, the cellular senescence is the one that qualiocenolytic was designed specifically to support And what cellular senescence means, and I think, like, maybe one way to think about it is, um, you know, we're us, right? We, you know, like, I'm 61 now, and I would say, oh, like, I have this continuum, but my cells have been turning over all the time, or at least most of them. And they, you know, so they, cells are born, live their life, and then pass away, but they do it at different speeds. So, in our, our blood cells, it's every couple months, as an example. Our liver, they live for about one to three years. Muscle tissues are pretty long-lived cells, like seven years. Heart's crazy long-lived, like 40 years. And our neurons in our brain, they're designed to last a lifetime. So cells are constantly living their lives. And just like us, cells are exposed to stress. So when cells are exposed to stress, they really, depending on the nature and the amount of stress, they do a couple different things. A low level of stress, they're like, "Oh, I got this. I'm going to adapt to this, right?" So maybe they, you know, increase their antioxidant defenses or do other things to kind of toughen themselves up. If stress is more than that, then they'll probably take some damage. So that's where something like autophagy comes in. When an autophagy is a cellular program meant to clean up; it's a maintenance program. So it it cleans up, it finds these kind of gunked up proteins, and then recycles them. So those Individual parts can be put back to better use. And if stress is even more than that, so now, like, all right, there's damage, but there's too much damage probably to fix this cell, then they put this program in called cellular senescence. And what that does is the cell is still alive, but it prevents the cell from making new copies of itself. So the metaphor you'll often hear in, you know, like a, you know, a a news article, if they mention it, they'll often say zombie cells because they're these midway between they're not fully alive, right? They don't make new copies, but they haven't died off. They're just kind of stuck in this in between. zone. and so senescent cells have been known about for decades and decades. And at one point in the seventies, it was thought, Oh, these probably have something to do with aging, right? Like, um, and what really happened is the knowledge starting around 2010 exploded and since then, there's just a huge amount of research. But pretty much every issue that we think of with aging, right? Like you had mentioned, gray hair, but you know, our skin becoming less, you know, youthful looking, right? Our joints, you know, not being comfortable. Our muscles being more difficult to get like a good anabolic response and to maintain muscle tissue. And then, you know, metabolic, cognitive, all those issues, um, senescent cells have been linked to them. So the- are all of
0: those would all of those be the hallmarks of aging? You said there is 12. Well, now yeah. there's 12 of them.
1: Yeah, the hallmarks would be more the characteristics rather than the issues. So, okay. they'd be things like DNA becoming unstable, um telomeres becoming sh- too short. Um I mentioned the gut dysbiosis and inflammation, but there are also things like cells not um, responding appropriately to the world around them, especially nutrients signaling like insulin, things like that. Um, internal communication of cells. Um, one of them is called proteostasis, but that's the idea that the proteins inside cells just start to become dysfunctional or age. So they're more like the, the mechanisms of aging and all of those happen on a cellular level because fundamentally our health is built off the health of our cells. So if they're performing at a youthful level, then our function tends to be a lot healthier. And part of that is the communication between cells. Some of it's the communication. Yep, for sure. Like the cells are all net- networked together. So, like, you know, think of, um, you know, like the world wide web, right? Our cells are very much like a a network system, but even within cells, there's, you know, this huge network of mitochondria, as an example, there'll be hundreds to thousands of mitochondria in a cell that are all networked together and working together. So at every level you look, you start to see that what's thought of as complexity, right? Like complex systems communicating and communication is a huge part.
0: It's a beautiful thing when you think about it. Um, I want to go back to what you were talking about in terms of um, cell turnover in in stress. So it sounds like a bit of stress is is okay and even beneficial in some cases because it helps us adapt, it helps us become stronger, it it, it helps us create some resilience. Um, More than that, it was you kind of broke it down into like three different segments. So the first one is like a little bit of stress, not so bad, pretty good. We can get stronger. Uh, But then if there's too much stress, that kicks off. Autophagy. Can you spend a little bit of time explaining, in case listeners aren't familiar with that term or what's going on there, what autophagy is, and is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Do we want a lot of autophagy? Is you know is too much autophagy a bad thing? Like, t- talk to us about that.
1: It's a, a good general rule of thumb is to think of Goldilocks principle, right? Like one bowl's too cold, one bowl's too hot, and there's another that's just right. So almost everything is there's just a the right amount, um, and autophagy would be. of those things, but really everything um, in physiology tends to be like that. So um, what autophagy is, it's it's thought of as a cellular maintenance program. So cells just in the course of doing their job, um, you know, so what'll happen is I mentioned mitochondria, right? Those are the workhorses of our cells. They make ATP, the, the energy currency that our cells rely on to do a lot of their work. So a lot of the proteins that mitochondria uses to do its job aren't made in the mitochondria they're made outside of it in some other part of the cell and then they have to be moved into the mitochondria and mitochondria-like cells have these lipid layers um, that the proteins have to move through. And so what science would say is though they're folded and unfolded to make that journey right so they're just their, their shape has changed so that they can squeeze through, so to speak. And so what ends up happening over time is proteins get misfolded. And uh, you've heard the tau with um, dementia, that like tau proteins. Tau proteins would be an example of a misfolded protein. So misfolded proteins just happen. And one of the main jobs of autophagy is to find when proteins are damaged, so misfolded, or other organelles and organelles are like these bigger things inside cells like the mitochondria but there's other organelles as well where they're damaged and what autophagy's job is is to find those and recycle them so they're damaged rather than trying to fix them let's just recycle those components and put them back to good use right so that nothing's wasted and so autophagy would go on all the time but what typically happens as we get older is we we're like in the the bowl's too cold right there's not enough of it so it's not too much isn't the problem it's too little right so in in general that's why autophagy ends up one of those hallmarks it's because it's one of the things that's misfiring as we age and so we many of the things you'll hear some biohackers do like intermittent fasting or like a periodic fasting diet for three to five days those are designed to basically drop protein low in a sense. Um, That's like a unifying theme for all these fasting behaviors. And when cells sense that they're like, Oh, like there's not enough protein. I better scavenge what I have inside. And the first place they look is the misfolded ones. And then autophagy kicks in to reuse those proteins. Right. So autophagies would be an, you know, like an ongoing thing. And I just think on that continuum of how cells respond to stress, it's after like the resilience phase, because there's been some damage, but before like panic, oh, like, let's not make new copies of our cell. There's too much damage.
0: So with the zombie cells, is that like panic? Is that a a bad thing? Like, that's not good. Like It doesn't sound like a great thing that we would want to have happening in our (laughs) body.
1: Yeah. And it's, um, they like, like most things, senescent cells aren't all good or bad. They're contextual. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we have any, say 20, 23 year old people listening to this podcast, you go out and do a marathon, you're going to make some senescent cells, right? Because that was a big stress to your system, no matter how well prepared you were for it. But what'll happen in a young person is those senescent cells will come in. They'll actually help with that reparative process initially from that you know, intense exercise, but a week later, they'll have gone through what's called apoptosis and apoptosis is just a Greek word that means falling off. So think of like leaves falling off a, a bush or fruit falling off a tree, that type of thing. And so that's the normal thing. When I said that cells are born, live, die, apoptosis is the dying stage that they just, they're, they basically, um, like break apart into small pieces and just like leaves that would fall off a plant, then they're recycled. So some people will ask, Oh, like a senescent cell is detoxed. And the answer would be no, they'll eventually ideally go through this falling off process and then be reused just like leaves falling into soil, their nutrients would be reused for the plants. And so um, what the key thing with senescent cells as we get older, and we'll usually refer to this idea of transient versus lingering senescent cells. So in young people, you see these transient ones, like some cells are made to be senescent. And, you know, three, five, seven days later, they're gone. They've even gone naturally through this falling off process, or the immune system has found them and gobbled them up. But what happens as we get older is they linger. So they, they, like what's called in science is they resist apoptosis. So they resist this natural falling off process. And then most people, at least like in in my world, would know that the immune system tends to underperform as we get older. That's called immune immune aging or immune senescence. So that contributes as well. The immune system is just less good at finding the stragglers. And so Mm -hmm. those are two of the reasons that they slowly accumulate. And and a visual that we use at Neurohacker, I, I originally created this because our head of marketing is big into home gardening. So um, think of like a plant with a yellowing leaf, like in a young person, they'll make a yellow leaf and it'll quickly fall off the plant, right. And be replaced with a new vibrant leaf, but in a less healthy plant, the, that yellow leaf will turn into more yellow leaves, more yellow leaves. And before you know it, you have a plant that's really struggling because you know, of its leaves are yellow and what yellowing leaves do on a plant is they'll still be using resources, right? So they're kind of wasting resources that might be better used. They also attract pests, right? From the environment. So they're like a a breeding ground for dysfunction. And then they then cause nearby healthy leaves to become yellow because of that. Mm. Right. And so senescent cells do that last part too. And that's also part of that zombie metaphor because one of the things senescent cells do is they secrete these compounds into the microenvironment surrounding them and that can convince nearby cells that would otherwise be healthy to become senescent cells as well. So the equivalent of turning a green leaf into a yellow leaf. And so that's the other part of the zombie analogy, right? Then they haven't been killed off and they resist that and they can turn otherwise healthy cells into you know, new, new zombies. And so that's the third reason that they accumulate with age, right? So those are the the three reasons, our immune system's not as good at finding them. These transient ones are resisting falling off, and then they tend to make nearby ones. So it just creates this almost like upward sloping increase until they've mostly looked in animals to see the accumulation because you need to do tissue biopsies. But by older ages, you know, tissue could have twenty percent or more of its cells senescent. And at that point, it's just not going to function well. So a uh, senolytic, that idea, that term was coined in 2015 by some scientists at Mayo Clinic and Scripps Institute of Aging. And the idea was, is are there compounds that can be taken that will be the equivalent of a gardener that will go in and prune away these senescent cells so that we can keep that, that the plant healthy, so to speak. And so that... The whole idea of senolytics is new, right? It's only this field's eight years old. Um, and among the first two compounds, well, the first three plant compounds that were identified were quercetin, f- fisetin, or physetin, I've heard it both ways, and piperlongumine, which is in an Ayurvedic plant called um, long pepper. So those were among the, and still are among the most studied senolytics, especially the physetin and quercetin, which they're they're a backbone, all three, in qualea
0: And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out one of our show sponsors. One thing I do for blood sugar support, especially around my workouts, is amino acid supplementation. I put Keon aminos in my water bottle to take to the yoga studio or the gym, and I drink it either before or after my workout, sometimes both. I also like that it enhances my recovery. I feel less sore. Leucine-enriched amino acids help to reduce soreness and aid in muscle repair. And Keon Aminos contains 40% leucine plus all nine essential amino acids. So that's kind of why it's a really good fundamental support for fitness. It's backed by over 20 years of clinical research, highest quality ingredients. There's no fillers. There's no junk. It undergoes rigorous quality testing and tastes really good. Save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. If you go to getkeoncom forward slash funk, that's G-E-T-K-I-O-N dot com slash F-U-N-K to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. So let me just back up a click. So it's, it's these senolytic cells to some degree are, are normal in the body. Like we, we have a human body, you're going to have some. It's, it's the problem becomes when they start to linger, Um, because then they can essentially, I'm going to use my own language here. You didn't say infect, but they can kind of like infect the environment around them. And so part of that is just part of like the natural aging process. If our immune system is kind of not firing on all cylinders as we age, the immune system is just going to have a hard time tracking these guys down and and kind of getting rid of them. Um, So, and is bolstering our immune system or supporting overall immunity part of an effective strategy to keeping these these senolytic cells at bay as well?
1: Yeah. So the so what's often the term they'll use is senotherapeutics as like the overriding category. And under that there'll be senolytics. So senolytics are specifically things that would help prune them away, right? To help eliminate them. Um then there's also things that are called xenomorphics. So those would be almost like a shield on healthy cells that would prevent them from becoming zombified. And then the third leg of that is the immune system. So absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, and originally, when I was doing the, the research in this whole space, um, it, immunity was, and this is like was pre-COVID that I was um, first looking at this, immunity was a, a, like one of the big legs that you'd want to support and still is. Um, But one of the things just to be like, even if you do everything for your immune system, it's thought that some, some senescent cells that linger the lingering ones that accumulate have figured out ways to hide from the immune system. So there would still, even if we did everything to support our immune system, we'd probably still want to do something to help
0: um, in that senolytic category to prune them away. Got it. Okay, and I'm curious, and the the answer might be just like a shoulder shrug. Is there any? um, Is there? Where does autoimmunity come into all of this? Is there any research that showcases a link between senolytic cells and autoimmunity, or not really? Um, Well, so, so I would say yes, um, in the sense
1: that senescent cells, because they they secrete these things in their microenvironment, a lot of those things are inflammatory. In nature, they're like cytokines and other things and um, white blood cells, right? So our immune cells can also become senescent, right? That's part of it, that immune senescence, right? This buildup and they're much more likely to misfire. And in fact, um, Walter Longo, the founder of the fasting and diet, he's a longevity researcher. I, I believe he's at USC in California. One of the things that he's seen in his studies is just doing repeated cycles of that fasting mimicking diet helps clear away some senescent immune cells, and that helps you know lower autoimmunity threshold. And then like a, a way I tend to think of it is most things are about a threshold. So we want to stay below the threshold where we're causing a problem. That doesn't mean we have to get rid of everything, right? So allergies would be a classic threshold, right? As long as the allergens in our environment are below a threshold, most of us won't um, have a problem. It's when they go above that. So it's the same with senescent cells. So the goal is just to almost do routine pruning so that we keep them below a threshold in the tissue where it would cause a problem. And then the other connection to autoimmunity is much more theoretical. So early on, really from the get-go, the Mayo scientists came up with what they called hit-and-run dosing for senolytics. So like something like vitamin C right, or B vitamins, you could do that every day. Um, the idea behind Cenolytics was to do a couple days and then a window where you don't do anything. So like hit-and-run is how they describe that. And part of the reason for that is I, me- I mentioned at the beginning that Goldilocks rule of thumb too much convincing cells to go through apoptosis, one of the concerns is now we're overtaxing the immune system and may provoke autoimmunity, right? So like senolytics would be not, oh, like two days, well, I'll just do four days in a row or six days, right? that's It's not that type of thing. You want to do things like that safe because we want to always challenge the immune system in ways that it can adapt and learn from, but not overtax it. Does that make sense? Oh, that's so
0: interesting. It makes so much sense. And that's what, you know, one of my biggest questions is like, why is the dosing of this so specific? So you're taking six caps on two consecutive days, and then you do that a month later. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You don't see that too often with supplementations, usually more like an everyday thing. So that makes a lot of sense. And it's because you're not trying to stimulate the immune system to such an extent that it can like essentially over fire, which is what we see with autoimmunity in a lot yeah. of cases.
1: Well, and the other thing is, and this goes back to that gardening metaphor, right? Like if you pruned a plant every day, you'd kill it. Yeah, right? you, <laughs> just, you just have to periodically prune it, right? And so it's the same. So it's, it's um, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could describe it. Like often I'll hear people think of it almost like as a cleanse or a detox, which is right, kind of in an analogy, but you don't really detox senescent cells. Like I said, you recycle them. Um, you know, so I, like periodically, I know I get asked questions like, well, what happens to senescent cells after you do a senolytic? Do you, like how do, how do they eliminate it from the body? And when they're not, right, they're just the individual parts that just recycled and eventually turned into new healthy cells. And that's, But I think that's of that idea of a cleanse is the right general idea,
0: right? Like you're just doing this periodically. Well, to be honest with you, when I first, it took me like two months to try them because <laughs> I was like, is there going to be this like big, like detox reaction or some Herxheimer reaction or some like healing crisis because of, it? and you know, for listeners, I, I took it and no, there wasn't, <laughs> but I was like a little apprehensive about, about that. So it's funny that you bring that up, um, but it wasn't, certainly wasn't the case for me. I um, So we understand that. Lingering, like an abundance of lingering senescent cells, is not ideal. And you had said that's when it starts to impact tissues, and the t- tissues can't function correctly or appropriately. Um, what would be symptoms that we would see? Like, how does this translate to like our physical body in terms of how we present or how we feel? Well,
1: um, a couple areas that I know I was most interesting when I, interested in when I first read the studies. One was that, um, so it would be called anabolic resistance in science terms, but older animals, this, whether it's, you know, like think of exercise, like lifting weights or higher protein diet, those would be anabolic signals in a 20, 25 year old. But in, once we get older, they don't produce that same signals we'd be resistant to that so anabolic resistance is what they call it and so that's you know a well-known thing in science and what they found in several animal studies is the buildup of senescent cells contributes to that and removing them then makes the muscles much more sensitive to these anabolic signals again so it, it rejuvenates the muscles right so um you know so muscles is a big thing, right? So our muscles tend to get weaker and, you know, less resilient as we get older. Um, metabolic health is another, you know, so fat cells can be um, become senescent. And when they do, almost all the things you think of as unhealthy metabolic responses, like can be bucketed as something that senescent cells negatively impact. Um, two of the areas that senescent cells were originally thought to be the most impactful and is still probably the case, are what are called um, fibroblast cells and immune cells. So fibroblast thinks connective tissue, so skin, joints, right? So um, that like aging, less healthy skin that builds up over time. Now, there's no way to prevent that, but the goal is to just, you know, like maintain more resilience in our skin. And then um, discomfort in the joints is obviously crazy big, right? You start to see that. And mm-hmm. some people even by their mid-30s. So our original... So one thing that Neurohacker Collective, the the company that makes the Qualia products, does is before we sell a product, we do our own study on the recipe. So we'll we'll make enough of it to do a small pilot study. And it was challenging to figure out how how we would test this Qualia senolytic product because it's not easy. People aren't going to line up and say, oh yeah, sure, you can take biopsies of my tissues. So in looking at some of the um, studies that were on clinicaltrials.gov, which is the the website where you would register um, like um, preliminary or ongoing clinical studies. Several looked at joint comfort and I'm like, oh, well, we'll just copy what they're doing. And so that was our original study. We just found people in our, we call it the beta community, but people that wanted to try out a new product and had some level of issues with their joints. And then we, what we had them do is three cycles. So two days period vacation from it, two days, period of vacation in two days. So I would describe that as three dosing cycles. And we measured their um, subjective response from baseline to at the end. And what we saw for things like, you know, going up and downstairs, getting in and out of cars, you know, feeling less stiff, things like that, there was about a 50% improvement across the board on average oh, in really. that group. So, um, which is a, a, I've read a lot of studies on different ingredients for joints and that's a pretty robust change to happen so quickly.
0: So, No kidding. That's amazing. Um, what about <laughs> anecdotally, has anybody, um, commented on appearance? So you were mentioning like skin, um, appearance in terms of skin, or is it just kind of too new to really say that?
1: You know, um, just because my role is more on the science end, I'm not as plugged into the different um, things people mention on Instagram or like, I know Instagram's a big community for us. So I'm mm. sure there's all kinds of things that have been mentioned that I <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm much more likely to get like, oh, this weird thing happened. Like, <laughs> know, what do you think, Dr. Greg? So, um, you know, okay, like so someone yeah. like recently it was, oh, like, you know, someone said they noticed you know, the couple of days after taking quality that they seem more sensitive to alcohol, meaning like they would get like feel a little bit more buzzed on less alcohol. Like, you know, do you know why? And it's like, no, I would just like we in the Navy. Would we would have said a wag, like a wild ass gas. I would just be wagging. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, but you know, please let us know, you know, if that continues. So.
0: Okay. Um, I'm gonna see if it will make my 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 budding gray hairs go away. I do want to shout out our show sponsors. This one is for my low carby Barbies. If you're struggling with headaches, muscle cramps, or fatigue on a low carb diet, you are probably low in electrolytes. This is for two reasons. One is that whole foods keto or low carb diets are low in sodium. When you cut out packaged foods, you basically cut out your main dietary dietary sources of sodium. Also, you excrete more sodium in a carb-restricted state. But the good news is that replenishing electrolytes can really rectify symptoms pretty darn quickly Element is my personal electrolyte of choice. It's super yummy, has everything you need and nothing you don't. The reality is every single person needs electrolytes, but if you're active or you're on a low carb diet, you really extra need electrolytes to feel and perform your best. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets for free with an Element order. It's a great way to try all the flavors or you could share them with a friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com forward slash funk. That dot com forward slash F-U-N-K. Element offers a no questions asked refund so you can try it risk-free. All right. Shit is bananas right now. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Somebody recently asked me, what do you do when you're doing all of the things, you're practicing all of the tools, but things still feel really intense? And honestly, this is where NED de-stress comes in for me. It is part of my daily routine right now. It's a certified organic formula, full spectrum hemp with CBG, CBD, and also ashwagandha. So it really helps to calm down the body and soothe down anxiety. If you need some support right now, fortify your stress response and get 15% off Ned's de-stress blend with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you as always, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering myself and our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. So let's talk a little bit about the um the ingredients that are in it. So you mentioned quercetin, um curcumin, olive leaf. I'm just reading the list. Actually, let mm. me start from the top. Ficetin. How how did you pronounce that again?
1: I always used to say fisetin, but I've heard so okay. many other people say ficetin. So I I'm okay. assuming I'm incorrect <laughs> and it's okay. and is correct. But so we because have it's that a one. German word originally. And so then they would usually it would be. FIS would be more
0: fist than phi, FI. And that's a plant extract? Is that what? That yeah,
1: is? it's a, it's found in a lot of um, like barks and leaves like strawberries would be a, a food source as an example. But we just get you know, such a small amount in a, in a even a healthy diet. So one of the the way I think these compounds work is they I mentioned earlier that cells are all about sensing their environment and nutrient sensing is a big part. Right. So mTOR, you'll probably have heard right with protein sensing but what these plant compounds tend to do is they make they cause almost a chain reaction in some nutrient sensing pathways that say oh like the environment looks like that it's not going to be particularly great for us right like food might be scarce whatever let's recycle the cells that we can most live without so the like this is my way of thinking about it the only time we would have ever had a lot, you know, and it would still be much less than what's in quasi of quercetin and fisetin in our diet compared to normal, is in a famine. Because in famines, what you've seen historically, like the Dutch winter famine in World War II, is that people, you know, made soup from tree bark and ate leaves, like whatever, to to fill their stomach. So that would be the the only time there'd be a big delta, right? A big change in the amount of these. Because they're generally thought of as plant secondary metabolites or defense compounds, they're all polyphenols. Would be another way to think of them, and so I, um, based on how they work, right? They cause cells to to sense around them like, oh, the environment looks like it's not going to be great, so let's recycle what we can't live without. That these plant compounds tend to be in things or more abundant in things like bark, leaves, and roots, things that would be, you know, not the yummiest part of the plants to eat.
0: I'm curious, um, because I I think of polyphenols in relation to... um microbiota specifically, like almost as like pre prebiotics, because they can kind of help to, f- they can help the, our bacteria to create metabolites, you know, like short chain fatty acids and things that are really important for overall health and metabolism. So I'm wondering if taking kind of larger doses once a month would impact the the microbiome in any way.
1: I am absolutely certain it does at least temporarily. So the way I, we have a, another product called quiet symbiotic. That's a um, it's a scoopable powder, but it's prebiotics, probiotic, postbiotics, fermented foods, and some polyphenols um, as well. And th- when I wrote that up, as, um, I always do a blog post on a new product, why we made it, a bit about each ingredient. And the, the prebiotics are or the polyphenols I described as prebiotic-like or prebiotics with a twist. They're not they don't meet strictly the definition of prebiotics, but they are things that some or some living bacteria in our microbiome do use for their food supply and do modify. And so they for sure have a a big impact. And um, the, the capsules for qualia cenolytic are really yellow in color, like because physotin is a yellow plant pigment, and curcumin is obviously that mustardy yellow, dark yellow, and quercetin is yellow, and luteolin is yellow, right? So it has yellow. So you know, like I know for me, I'll see a different color of my stools in the the day or two that I take cenolytic and my guess would be a, um, like there's. Um, I don't know how many of these you've heard of, but there's now like a gut muscle axis and there's a gut sleep axis and there's a gut skin axis. There's obviously the gut brain axis. There's a gut joint axis. So, you know, my intuition is that a lot of the benefit you get systemically in the body drives off of the gut and that, mm. um, that some of these polyphenols um, will be having a positive
0: impact in the gut in those two days a month that you take it. Oh, it's so fascinating. Uh, I see soybean seed extract here. What's what is the benefit of that?
1: Yeah, so um, it's that extract is standardized for um, isoflavones. So soy is known to have um, genistein, daidzein, and those isoflavones do a couple things mechanistically on cells that really milk thistle, the isoflavone in that um, solimerin, does a, a little bit overlap, but those things just. Um, Impact some of these uh, mechanistic pathways in cells to help kind of tilt c- cells over into apoptosis that other compounds don't. So, um, so that's why it's in there. I um, mean, one of the things, and this goes back to the original 2015, the very first um, written study that coined the term senolytic, is they. That's where quercetin was identified as senolytic was in that particular study by Mayo. But another compound they identified as senolytic is a medication um, used. It's an immune modulator called dasatinib. And dasatinib is in a family called tyrosine kinase inhibitors, which I know this is just going over. But think of the (laughs) compounds in soy and milk thistle as doing some of the similar um, restoring things to normal function that that medication would have done in the original dasatinib and quercetin stack. So they mimic some of the mechanisms. That's why they're in our product.
0: Um, That makes sense. You do a good job of explaining explaining some really complex stuff. Um, So it it sounds like taking senolytic or a senolytic um, can be really helpful here for all of the reasons that you described. Is there anything that we can do from a diet, nutrition, lifestyle perspective that would also help with this?
1: Yeah. So Exercise for sure is thought to be senotherapeutic, but more like protecting other cells, like being a shield for other cells. Um, So it's not really senolytic per se. Um, There, because the field is so new, there just Mm -hmm. hasn't been as much studied, like on what would be diet and lifestyle. But the, um, the fasting mimicking diet. So that's again Walter Longo's, which is. Usually it's a three to five day protocol and his isn't a water fast. It's like, you know, you, you, I think it's calories but to down 800 to 1100 over those five days, super low protein, like low protein is a unifying thing I mentioned, um, for getting these cellular response. Um, and his work so far has suggested that his fasting mimicking diet, does help with immune senescence. So, you know, my guess would be a lot of the, the fasting related behaviors help in a senotherapeutic you know, sense, maybe some because they help recycle senescent cells and others because they shield healthy cells from the damage. So, those would be the two main things. But in terms of so it used to be thought that senescent cells were almost all made because telomeres got too short, telomere attrition, which is one of the hallmarks of aging. And there, there's also this thing called stress-induced or premature stress-induced senescence. So long before telomeres get too short, you can cause a cell to be senescent by too much stress. So that's the other thing, like in animal studies in cell culture studies things that are too stressful for cells cause senescence. So, you know, these are things like intense, you know, like too much sunlight, as an example, beyond what our, our systems adapted to be able to handle in that moment, nutrient stress. Um, so I would say like everything that you would think of as like, oh, this is too stressful. is probably gonna contribute to more yellow leaves than we want.
0: In psychological emotional stress
1: would fall in that category too. I would think so, just because that because of the gut brain connection that always Mm -hmm. has a systemic effect on ourselves. So it's all connected. Got it. So I think I always think of like mental and emotional as the worst stress.
0: stress, Right. No (laughs) kidding. Yeah, for sure. Um, I my I myself have a history of eating disorders through my teens and early twenties, and I know that a lot of listeners have a um similar struggle um, and I as much as the research supports fasting it can and it can be a wonderful tool where appropriate it can also be pretty detrimental mentally for a lot of like a big you know part of the population and so it's I I think it's so wonderful to be able to have more tools at our disposal, like like Qualia Qualyosanalytic for those who it's like, while we understand that fasting can be therapeutic, it can also be, you know, wildly inappropriate for a lot of people and kind of tripwire and trigger some old, um, harmful and unhealthy patterns and behaviors. So it's it's nice to have, you know, multiple tools at our disposal so we can choose the one that feels the most appropriate for, for us, given our, you know, background and context.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm a, I probably like people that know me would be really familiar. I use the word relationship a lot. Like it's, to me, it's the relationship we have with something. And what I've seen in the, you know, the biohacker community is many people, their relationship with fasting can be a little bit, less healthy than what I would think is ideal, right? Like, oh, like if a little is good, more is better. Like, I'm going to be like the fasting king and like, oh, I'm going to like have this super narrow window of eating. And um, I like Dave Asprey's fairly recent book, Fast This Way, because he does spend some time in the book mentioning like, you know, these things are, are, as you meant, they're like part of a toolkit that they can be, you know, used and misused. And often, you know, they're misused. So like, I, I, you know, I, um, I use the word time restricted eating. Like I'm a, I try not to eat, you know, like much into the darkness period, but if I'm hungry, I eat. Yeah. (laughs) So like, just like if I'm sleepy, I sleep, right? Like I, at the end of the day, it's what I trust. My body knows way more what it needs than like my conscious mind ever will know. So just learn to pay attention to it.
0: Yeah. I, uh, you know, our bodies are ancient and the, the mental stories we have are, not as ancient as our bodies. <laughs> um, I would. I I found the company because I was looking for brain support. Um, you know, it's important that my brain stays sharp given what I do, and so that's how I found Qualia Mind. So I'm curious if there's any connection to, between the brain, um, brain aging, and these senescent cells that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, so it used to be thought, I mentioned at the beginning that neurons are meant to last a lifetime, right? So neurons are a type of cell that doesn't make new versions of themselves. Like once the neurons made, we'll prune them away and we can structurally change them. But neurons used to be thought since they didn't make copies, they couldn't become senescent. Like what would be the point, right? Because like senescence was thought of as something to prevent cells from making unhealthy copies of themselves. But in the last handful of years, it's been found that neurons even can become senescent. Um, but even more important, what surrounds neurons in the brain are all these support cells. So, glial cells is the general name, but microglia are the brain's immune cells and astrocytes in these, and they can all become senescent. And that becomes problematic. So, so far, the only studies I've seen on senolytics um, that have looked at the brain have all been animal studies, but like, as an example in those physotin was synolytic for some of the, the, those structural cells. Um, and then the other thing in the brain autophagy becomes really important, right? So we, we want to support periodic autophagy for the brain so that it can keep maintaining healthy neurons since we don't you know have an abundant supply and we don't want to damage what we have. So for sure, there's, um, to my knowledge, there's been no tissue that's um, that's not impacted by senescent cells. I kind of keep folders for each, you know, each clinical area, and and it's everything, <laughs> you know, liver, <laughs> kidneys, skin, muscles, fat tissue, brain,
0: you name it. So. so it's kind of a big deal, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I mean, it's just like I, it's, there's a reason it's one of the twelve hallmarks, right? It's just a characteristic that. Yeah, it's been well known about for a long time, but it wasn't until relatively recently there seemed to be a solution, which is why it's gotten so much research, because there's not too many things in those hallmarks that have solutions currently.
0: And so to kind of like tie all of this up with a bow, would you say that um, supporting this I don't know if supporting senescence is not what I'm trying to say, but uh, supporting the clearance of lingering senescent cells maybe is what I want to say. Is that a way to sort of slow the aging process and promote longevity?
1: Yeah. So I think um, the way, like, probably it's not going to make us live longer per se, but I I know for me the reason i take quiescentolytic and i do it the first weekend of every month so just given when we're recording this it's you know tomorrow <laughs> for me i'll be doing it for two days and that's just easy right for me to remember the first weekend every month but i think of it as an investment in making sure that when i'm you know 80 90 i'll be able to still live a healthier life doing more of the things i want to be able to do um so that's how i think about it you'll you'll hear the term health span but um, but the way i about it is um you'll sometimes hear what like 50 is the new 30 right like people just expect mm-hmm. and want to be able to perform at a higher level longer than might have been the case with my grandparents as an example and that to do that i know i just have to do things differently than my grandparents because they probably had access to better food like in general than we do a cleaner environment so I just think of things like qualiocenolytic, but other things like exercise as well and stress reduction and getting enough sleep. All these things are investments that I make in my long-term health portfolio. And that I know when we first came out with qualiocenolytic marketing was like, well, what are people gonna feel? It's like, well, like, I mean, if senescent cells aren't causing an issue, then maybe nothing, right? Like where if they're below that threshold, they're just investing and in keeping them below. You know, if they're already struggling with their joint comfort, then they'll probably experience it there, right? So it's, it's variable. But I think the right mindset um, or the mindset that, you know, if I was working with someone, it's it's just like investing, you know, in, for our front financial health when we're older, right? We, we want to make prudent investments. And I think of Qualysinolytic personally as one of those investments that I make every
0: month. That's a wonderful analogy to help folks like kind of understand because we're so you we're so you know on the perpetual hunt for the quick fix and it's like just tell me what to do and then I want the immediate results and it's you know healthy aging probably <laughs> we're not gonna see the immediate results of that, right so investment in your long-term health portfolios is a really great way to think about it. So thank you so much. I have uh, definitely have a much more clear understanding of the what and the whys behind this product and this whole thing that's going on in our bodies. So I really, really appreciate you coming on the show to to teach us all about this.
1: Oh, it's been my pleasure, Erin. Thanks for having me today.
0: Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.